Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and I don't suck, and neither does the Pimples Podcast, but anyone who plays the Riders, they suck. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Let's go, Rider Nation. I'm ready. I'm ready. go this is the piffles podcast your saskatchewan rough riders fan podcast thanks so much for joining us this week i'm alex i'm steve Et je ne veux travailler pour so we're trading greg is what i got out of that hey i'm just preparing for us buying the alouettes because it sounds like they're up for sale again uh, apparently edmonton's going to be up for sale as well too that's a topic for next week because we're going to get into that but we have a lot to go this on this week's show um give us a follow on twitter at piffles pod you can give me a follow at real alex d you can find me at Safamod. and as always i do not need your cowards uh pity follows at greg on sports we're gonna hear greg say that word cowards a lot in the next couple of days with the dunk tank coming up <laughs> take an from- easy way out auto dunks throw a ball you pansies uh well piffles podcast is brought to you by our great friends dairy queen on elphinstone street and sass drive in regina and as kurt angle said like you guys heard we don't suck so let's get to it time for the opening kickoff so we'll start off with the riders Beating the Lions last week, 23-16, I was wrong in my pick there, and I'm kind of happy to be wrong about that because I am was not looking forward to the Riders being under 500 going into Labor Day, back-to-back games with the Bombers. So going in there 6-5 and five is, uh, I mean, that was a big win, even though it was against essentially a third-string quarterback with Antonio Pipkin playing most of the game with Michael O'Connor getting hurt. But... Let's uh, let's talk about the offense first here, guys. They actually moved the ball pretty well um, throughout the entire game. And I don't know if Jason Moss has finally started listening to this show, but they started throwing the ball to Keen Schaefer right here. And Hi, look what happened. Oh, yeah, KSB single-handedly turned that game around on the dime with that. Probably should have been an interception, tips it to himself, and made that play. That was, that was amazing. But, yeah, KSB is – well, we – I don't think we haven't had a game where we talked about either how good he is and or how we can't believe they're not giving him the ball. The guy, the guy is dynamite. He has to be the key to this offense moving forwards. I love the idea of moving him into the slot and getting him running around a whole bunch more. Clearly it worked. What did he end up with? 189, 190 passing yards or receiving yards, something like that. Like the guy is money. Get the ball in his hands. It's really that simple. And those passes from Cody Fajardo, the, the big, long touchdown one, that was right on the money. But some of the other ones, like you said, Greg, that uh, one that should have been intercepted, those passes were underthrown again. This seems to be kind of an issue going forward with Cody, but um, he looked okay. He didn't look great, even though the, the stats look pretty pretty good for him. I mean, having that 80-yard touchdown sure helps. Um that that touchdown pass actually when you look at it cody's mechanics on that he threw off his back foot when he whenever he steps into a throw it doesn't look good i don't know what it is but if he's back footing it 
he actually has better accuracy that way. I can't I can't explain it. It's really weird. Cody is a mixed bag of you really don't know what you're going to get sometimes. And that offensive line didn't help him against PC either. That was that was a rough go. But yeah, no, it's it's weird. He does that weird left-hand turn. He throws off his back foot. He looks like he can beat the world, but yeah, when he has time in the maybe that's what they should do. Just sit back and make him throw the ball cuz Seems to be less accurate that way. If you, if you watch Cody Fajardo, he seems very much to be a creature of habit. You mentioned it. The back the the back foot throws, the very consistent uh, rollout of the pocket. He he does everything almost the same every time. It's really weird because it's not always working, and it's really hard for me to celebrate a three hundred plus passing yard game and go go crazy about it when two of the or 150 of the yards came on two plays and one of them should have been picked. I mean, he, he was okay. And with our defense, okay is all you need. If that defense can play 60 minutes or preferably 30 minutes of quality football, like they can, the offense doesn't need to be lights out. They need to be okay. So, I mean, he was okay. I'm just happy to see that the offense actually had, some rhythm though like it wasn't the usual rhythm of two and outs like they actually like they they focus on frankie hickson and got like he, that man's burst of speed is amazing like it's going to be really hard to get moral but i understand moral was the leading rusher it's going to be hard to get him back in the lineup if hickson can carry this team through the next what, four five six games and again, Jason Moss must have been listening to us. We've been saying, run the ball. You have two good running backs. You have Frankie Hickson now being being the unquestioned starter with Morrow hurt. But they move the ball consistently. We've said this for, what, week 11 now or week 12, 12 games in uh, for 12 weeks. Run the ball. The O-line, is a, they're, they're actually really good run blocking. They're horrible pass blocking, but they're very good run blocking. Run the ball. It's not a sexy offense running the ball in the CFL, but if it works and that's what is doing it for your team, you have to do it. So I don't know if this is just a change in the team uh, going forward. I'm thinking that's probably just a one-off because that seems to always be the case here with the riders. Um, But just run the ball and get the ball when you are throwing it, get it to KSB because that dude is making things happen. So everything we've been saying, KSB, run the ball, that's what they did. And, I mean, honestly, the score kind of flattered BC at the end, just getting that late touchdown and 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 getting it to the one-score game. The Riders fairly, I mean, dominated that game. So if they can continue to do that and you keep the offense, the other team's offense off the field, you're going to win a lot of football games. And coming up into the worst stretch of the schedule that they have, going three games in four weeks against the the Bombers coming up, they're going to need to do that. Uh, flipping I'm, over just, to- I'm just worried about our offensive line. Like I had a lot of Marshall Ferguson's talking about how Evan Johnson was basically being manhandled. I'm like, obviously, Marshall doesn't listen to the pod because we've been saying that for weeks. That, that side with Evan Johnson and Natai Rogers was absolutely brutal. And, yeah, Natai took the uh, fall for that, but Evan Johnson isn't getting much better either. He looks lost out there some days. 
I'm curious. So, I mean, when you're trying to play offensive line next to a pylon, I'd look lost out there too. He's had no help. He's not going to be your number one guy, but I think he'll be better as the season goes when he's got when he has somebody he can rely on beside him. Now I'm curious uh, with uh, the impending return of Dan Clark to the O line sometime. Um, we'll assume in the next few weeks anyway, he's not practicing fully with the team yet, but I'm assuming that's probably going to happen sometime pretty soon here. Obviously, Dan Clark goes to center. Do you put Furlan or do you put Logan Bandy out to uh, to right guard and you bench Evan Johnson and make him your sixth man? Because to me, you Evan Johnson's a huge liability. And if you can move Bandy out there and you have Clark at center and Logan Furlan staying at left guard, that's probably what I would do. Well, you're definitely not taking Furlan off the line, but yeah, Johnson, you might try it. Can't be any worse than it is. Plus, you got Jamal Campbell out there. I, oof, it's there. There's too many times where Evan Johnson has been just lost. Like he's been standing out there lost by himself, where everyone else has a guy, and it's usually the guy blown by him or in a tie that was take, taken down Cody. I I don't know what happened to him because everyone had such high hopes for him two years ago. There, there is literally nowhere for this offensive line to go but up. Why not give it a shot? I, I would love to see how Bandy could do out there. Did you guys say a prayer when Shepley got released? I had I, no real hope in that. No, that was never going to happen. Honestly, there's a lot of people talking about, oh, NFL cuts are coming, NFL cuts are coming. No, they're not. There's going to be very few coming up to the CFL. If you're an NFL cut, one of the last cuts in training camp here, uh, just before the season starts, why would you come up to Canada for a prorated less than half a year salary? You're probably looking at maybe $25,000 for one to come up here. When you can wait a couple weeks, see if there's any more NFL interests. Once games actually start and injuries occur, you're going to be one of the first calls that they make right so you're kind of hoping for that plus then well there's the usfl there's the xfl in the spring next year are you going to want to lock into a cfl contract for a couple years and miss out on that look how many usfl guys signed with the nfl uh in the last two months just before and going into training camps there was like 50 or 60 of them you're never going to find 50 or 60 cfl players signed in the nfl so why would you why would you want to come up to Canada and do that and make a prorated salary when you can just hold off and go to one of the spring leagues? So to me, it makes no sense to come up to the CFL right now if you're an American player, unless there's legitimately zero interest in you whatsoever. And they're saying, nah, you just don't have what it takes to be a pro football player, not just, oh, good luck somewhere else. Then maybe you come up to Canada. But right now, it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Realistically, the only guys you usually see signing over the next few weeks that have anything to do with the end of the season are guys who have been here before. Either they've, they've been around the CFL and got their NFL look, or they they were a recent cut in, the, or not recent, but a recent signing with uh, in the, the previous offseason. You don't see a lot of new guys coming in and making a statement, especially offensive linemen. It's, it's, we're going to have to roll with what we've got. All right, I want to talk a little bit about the defense in that game against BC. Uh, we'll start with Darnell Sankey's rough in the passer penalty. 
uh, ended up taking Michael O'Connor, quarterback of the Lions, out of the game with that hit. And to me, absolutely nothing wrong with the hit. Uh, textbook tackle. However, in the CFL, you cannot now. It's the Aaron Rodgers rule. Basically, you can't put all your weight down onto the quarterback. It's just a penalty. So it's written in the rule books. It was a penalty according to the rules, which, I mean, I think that's a garbage rule anyway, but that's beside the point. It was the right call, but it ended up, uh, I guess, helping the riders because it got down to Antonio Pipkin and he didn't do a damn thing. But but it, it's not even about the penalty. Like It's not like the penalty. It was the hit. Like I, I even tweeted out immediately, I hate penalties for finishing your tackle. Like That was not like he suplexed the guy. He... Went in for the tackle, hit him right in the tackle box, and his momentum took him down right on top of O'Connor. Like that, that was a football play, plain and simple. And it just, it sucks O'Connor got hurt, but I, I hate, I, I don't care if it's against the Riders, for the Riders, um, against Cody. A play like that to me shouldn't be penalized. I get why they do it, but it just seems it's very inconsistent. It was funny. There was another hit that people were harping on the next, uh, I think it was the next day, the Patrick Levels hit on, I can't remember who it was, uh, but it everyone was like, this is similar. Why wasn't he flagged for it? He should have been flagged for roughing the passer. And it was nowhere near the same hit because everybody saw the, 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 the landing on top of him. And they think that's what the penalty was, but it's the, it's the driving him into the ground. He drove him into the ground from above. It's in the rules. I mean, I'm a Packers fan, so I have to love that rule. It's it's there because of my quarterback losing a is it his collarbone, broken collarbone. Uh, yeah, right. So I mean, there's a reason that penalty exists. Hey, it is hey, to keep quarterbacks safe. Your, your team no cannot affect the the how you like the rules. I I I for I no issues with the rule. I, I'm indifferent to the tuck rule. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I I have no issues with the rule. I get why it's there. Players know it's there. It was, it was an obvious call, and they made it. But but here's the thing, though. Yeah, players know it's there, but full speed, Darnell Sankey, what was he supposed to do differently? It just, he hit the guy, and the way his feet were still, like, basically t- attached to the ground, he folded over and basically somersaulted yeah. on, on uh, O'Connor. Like, it's, it's not his fault. It's not no. Sankey's fault, but it's still a penalty. It's, yeah. it's one of those, it's going to happen. Yeah, but that's that's the thing though. It's like you can't ask these guys full speed to unfortunately slow up on a hit because this is how they make their money. Because you tell a guy not to hit anyone, he's he's junior mertile. Like, what are you going to do? Oh, we haven't had a junior mertile reference in a while. I that approve. is still, I still stand by. If I was Jo, I would have marched down there and told him the pack is. I was swore back his gear immediately. You're off the team. That is the most egregious play I've ever seen in football, ever. Ole. I I, I get what you're saying. Thank you. There was nothing thank you could have done could have done differently to really avoid that penalty. But they have to they have to draw that fine line between what they call or what what is egregious and what isn't. And they've made it clear that landing with your full weight on a quarterback is a penalty. You're going to get situations like this every now and again. You just roll with it. I don't even think anybody's really all that mad at, at Sankey. It's not one of those hits that we've seen that have had 
non-rider fans up in arms for the last few months. Nobody cared about it. People just, yep, he hit him. Yep, penalty. Let's move on. Except rider fans, but, you know. We take everything in stride. Of course. Uh, one other play I want to talk about here just for a minute and give a nice shout-out to uh, Amari Henderson making an absolutely phenomenal defensive play, saving a touchdown. Um, that second a, a, effort, oh, my God. And it, it wasn't the first hand because he missed it and it hit the receiver in the hands. It was a the receiver had it. He had he it. He had it in his hand. And while he's kind of you know diving and falling backwards, reaches back with the opposite hand and just hits the ball enough to knock it out of the receiver's hand. When you look at it in in live speed, it just looked like the receiver dropped it or it got tipped before. And when you slow it down and actually look what happened, the play that Amari Henderson made there was absolutely phenomenal. That is an all-star caliber play that you don't see very often. And I don't think there was enough credit given to him. Um, one, on the broadcast, they gave him a little bit of, of props there. But that, that was a, a game-changing play. Because that was, I mean, the the Lions were going to score a touchdown there, and, and then they grab the momentum, and then they have to settle for a field goal and, and lose it all there. So fantastic play. And this guy's, for the most part, been an absolute stud find for the Riders this year. In real time, it, it it's funny. I watch when I saw it in real time. I'm like, okay, the guy dropped it. Like, why are you celebrating? Like. I I even made that meme a few weeks ago. That guy like dancing to the power line, like defense. The receiver misses the ball, defensive back dancing like an idiot. Like I'm like, come on, like okay. Then you watch it again. Like that was a brilliant play. Like the fact that he had enough wherewithal to go. I'm like, I better swing my other arm around just to make sure I catch a piece of that ball. Like I don't know if like, yeah, sure he may have been flailing, but still like. Good on Amari Henderson for not quitting on that play. It would have been really simple to go, hey, I dove. What else do you want me to do? But he actually swung his other arm around to make sure he got a piece of that ball. All right, so the Riders winning 23-16 over the Lions, moving to 6-5 and five on the season, of course, with the Labor Day Classic coming up this Sunday against the Bombers. Um, not going to make a big deal out of this one, but there were reports about Garrett Marino again. Um, getting into it with the coaching staff when he wasn't listed as a starter on the depth chart. Um, how true this is, we don't know. The voice of the Riders, Michael Ball, says it did not happen. It did happen. It It is reported that he did get into it, but apparently not as intense as initially reported, which, I don't know, you tell like five friends, and I'm sure they have different stories on each one, but the fact of the matter is, and apparently John Hodge said there was no bonuses available. And if you mess with a guy's money, I can see why he's pissed. But I got to admit, the Riders, this entire who's a starter and who's a not, who's not is starting to become a bit of a joke. Both times, but last two games, they've listed him as a non-starter. Both times he's been out there play one. So I don't know what they deem a starter is. He's playing a majority of the plays. He start, he's he's out, out there to the first defensive play, so what's a starter then? Somebody on the on the uh, the marketing side is obviously doing the the depth chart by alphabetical order. That's that's what it's coming down to. They didn't they didn't realize it was a an actual specific order. That's that's the only reason I could see him not being listed as a starter when he's been on the field play one and been 
on the field for most of the game, both games. He's the starter. It's very obvious. Just just give him his give him his credit and shut him up. Hey, no, you, ultimately- you didn't get fine this week, so that's 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 a step forward. Now, ultimately, ultimately, nothing came of this, which is good because that's the last thing the Riders need going into a, a game against Winnipeg here. But I do wonder, because it is Garrett Marino and it is a story again, and I know nothing came of this, which was a good thing because the last thing the Riders need is a distraction going into the game against Winnipeg, but it's another Garrett Marino thing. And I know... All the other eight fan bases are making a bigger deal out of it than it probably is. Oh, they and, hate him. They and going off him. on him. And, and that's perfectly fine. But at what point is enough enough with this guy? Because, again, I said it last show that this guy is not good enough to put up with his antics. And if he is going after the coaching staff like this, and it actually is a heated thing, and there starts to be now this divide in the locker room, I'm not saying there is, but if that is something that happened, when is enough with this guy? Because are you gonna? He's not good enough to put up with this. He's an all right player. There's nothing wrong with his play, like in terms of of being a, a quality player. You can talk about his intentions on the field. That's something different. But I just, it's just another distraction for this team, and it's the last thing that they they need. And especially against a game against Winnipeg, where the last time he played the Winnipeg Blue Bombers was in the Banjo Bowl. Yeah, he got hurt, but he also got uh, threw a punch, or that was when uh, Andrew when, Harrison. Um, yeah, Nick Dempsey. Uh, yeah, and when that melee happened, and he was in the middle of that. So, I mean, you can bet that uh, some of those Bombers old linemen are really looking forward to seeing this guy again. So, like, it's just like. <sighs> I, I don't know what to make of him anymore. It's just like, he's not making plays. He's not doing anything on the field to, to stand out over anybody. I don't know. Obviously, his play, it, it's, it's the Pearl situation. He he does enough for the coaching staff to look past his deficiencies. And I don't know what, but hey, someone gets paid to coach football and I don't get paid to talk football, so the check's coming. I swear, Greg. Yeah, I've heard that for what five years now. Yeah, well, we're we'll still we're still waiting for ours, and it's been six. So uh, we we ordered the check from Wish. Settle down. (laughs) Um, Riders making a big splash with a couple signings here. Another quarterback, Levi Lewis, and a running back, Sean Wilson. which are just going to sit around the PR for probably the rest of the year. But Braden Linius receiver is back uh, after his NFL tryout with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, Not too surprising that he didn't make the team and and that he's on his way back, which is great. Um, Practice with the starters already, which uh, was a bit surprising to me. Um, But if he can, I mean, he looked pretty darn good last year. If you can have him moving into the starting lineup and then all of a sudden you have, uh, you know, once they're healthy, Duke Williams, Shaq Evans, Kyron Moore, KSB, and Braden Linius, if that's your five, I'll put those five up against any five in the league. Oh, yeah. Our top five, our top five receiving Canadians are great. Plus, you got Tevin Jones. You've got uh, McKinnis has been, showed some flashes this year. Like, we, we've got a solid receiving core. 
like I will never fault our receivers for anything. It's unfortunately we need time to get the ball to them. That's always been the problem. I'm yeah, I'm a little surprised they're throwing Lenius into the into the mix so soon. I thought they'd give him his full speed on the banjo ball, but uh, I'm glad he's back. Like I, I'm not not saying that we had a weakness at the Canadian receiver because we got some really good Canadian receivers, but uh, I'm I'm glad he's back. I think the one thing that's being overlooked and why he might be up there with the ones right off the bat is he is a big bodied receiver and you're going up against a terrifying defensive line. Having a big bodied guy in there as well. Isn't a, isn't a bad thing to have around uh, on some of those, on some of those run plays and, uh, and just extra protection. Plus he's a big target for the charter to see on those plays where he has, you know, half a second to make a decision. I, I'm excited that he's back. I, I don't think he can be understated how valuable he could be to the offense going forward. Sounds like it'll uh, likely be a bit of a rotation there uh, for that uh, receiver spot, but uh, very good that he's back. And uh, I mean, going forward, once everybody gets healthy, that's, like I said, I put them against anybody. So that's, uh, that's going to be great for this offense going forward. Hey, I'm just happy we mentioned the Falcons and I didn't make it a 28 to 3 joke. You're welcome, people. <laughs> There's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty. Our Ch- Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones up next. And oh, man, there's a lot going on in the CFL. I don't even know where to start. Um, let's start in Montreal with uh, the Bigs. The big stories there. First off, Gary Stern resigns out of nowhere, issues a statement to the fans saying this was something that had to happen. It was, it was basically a fight with the estate and he wanted more control and whatnot. And it's just Gary Stern's gone, which kind of sucks because he was uh, a lot of fun on Twitter, even though he was trying to figure it out as he was going. You, you can't deny the man's passion and, he seemed to actually embrace the league, which was nice. Unfortunately, when there's uh, big money involved with an estate, uh, which is his father-in-law, um, yeah, uh, when it's run by business people who like making money, the CFL is probably not a great investment to keep that estate's money. So I see it that way. It just, yeah, just the suddenness of it is just, blows my mind and i i don't know what the plan is going forward for that franchise because like i said for an estate to keep making money for the family which he technically gary stern is a part of the cfl is probably not a good idea my my biggest happiness out of this was when the story came out everybody's first thought was oh crap what did he do because you don't often hear right i i said the same thing i went like what scandal is coming out? I'm glad it's just a you know family estate battle because the league doesn't need another uh, black mark, especially out of Montreal. They've had enough of that coming uh, in the last little bit. But you know he was great for the league. He was great for the the advertising of the league. He brought out stories. Yes, he guaranteed a win every week, and was more often than not wrong. But he was fun. He was something different. The league needs more guys like him and uh, and Dolan out of BC and Victor Quee out of Edmonton. Guys that give a damn. That just 
have fun with it. You need that. That's what this, that's what makes this league better or will make this league better. And Montreal also, Montreal also making a couple of trades, trading with Edmonton, but the big one trading with BC Vernon Adams Jr. on his way back to the Lions for a first round pick, which is kind of a uh, full circle. The circle. Yeah, exactly. With BC uh, trading their first round pick to get him or no, they got a first round pick when they traded him away. Um, but that also tells me that the, uh, the Nathan Rourke injury is worse than they originally thought. Um, when BC announced that injury, they were like, Oh, hopefully he'll be back by the end of the season, which with that kind of an injury to the foot, no, he ain't coming back this year. Uh, so to me, it's them admitting that, yeah, he he's done. And I mean, Michael O'Connor getting hurt. Are you really going to run with O'Connor and, and Antonio Pipkin when you have a guy like Vernon Adams available? Yeah, that's why you go out and get Vernon Adams because with that offense, Adams isn't asked to be a true you know, franchise guy there with BC. He doesn't need to be. He just has to be a good quarterback with that offense, and that still keeps them in contention. So does this put BC back into contender status in the West? I'm actually curious on how that salary hit they're now going to take by take, even if it's prorated that salary hit for VA is going to be a lot more than what works is. I'm kind uh, of curious how that's going to shake out. Apparently Adams was very, a lot of it was in a signing bonus. They moved oh, it to yeah. a signing bonus. So it's, it's not a huge base salary. And when you're only paying for, you know, half of it, and you have your starting quarterback making the league minimum and now only half of the league minimum against the cap uh, with being hurt. So I'm, I'm glad they can make it work. I'm glad uh, Vernon can play somewhere. He's a legit good dude. The guy and the guy can play football and I'm glad he can, he's going to be on the field soon again. Cause he, he got a raw deal in Montreal that I don't like the way that went down. Um, it's, I thought, I thought earlier he was going to Edmonton. We, I'm sure we're going to talk about that soon too, but I, I'm just glad he's going to be back playing because the guy is good for the league. The, the question becomes who's had more of a raw deal in their career over the last few years, Nick Arbuckle or Vernon Adams? Good question. I oh. think I, I like VA better as a quarterback. Yeah. So I think Vernon. Absolutely. Yeah, I think Vernon as well too. But that's a yeah, Nick Nick Arbuckle's got he's got the shaft a few times. It's just I, I I can't wait to see what he does out in BC. Now that we don't have to play him again until uh, until playoff time, I I hope he I hope he does well out there. I don't think you'll find a more loved player across the league right now than than Vernon Adams. He's he's the one guy that seemingly nine fan better franchises and fan bases seem to love. Well, he's almost played for uh, he's played for a third of them. <laughs> Actually, almost. Uh, and Edmonton was close to trading for him. Gary Stern apparently blocked that trade. Um, so that was. Okay. Can we actually, can we talk about that for one quick second? Not about Gary blocking the trade, which doesn't surprise me because, but the fact that Danny Machocha, like they threw him under the bus and trashed him 
after Gary had to step down. Who the are you, Danny Machocha? Like, what the hell? Like, just keep your mouth shut. Yeah, it probably sucked that the owner was getting involved in your grand scheme, but you don't say that out loud. We probably could have figured that out. But yeah, complaining about him running his mouth on Twitter too. What are you doing? How how dare a guy bring in positive news about your franchise? The Danny Machocha stuff was very Danny Machocha-ish. It was very petty. Um, But Edmonton wasn't the only one trying to get him. Apparently, uh, Hamilton tried to trade for him as well, which honestly, I wouldn't. If I'm Montreal, I wouldn't trade him to Hamilton. Not this year anyway, not with how close the standings are. Um, Yeah, that's an offseason. If you're going to trade him to uh, a division rival, that's an offseason trade. Yeah, exactly. and the Hamilton Jagger Cats, well, quarterback problems there altogether. Matthew Schultz is out, uh, what, four to six weeks. Dane Evans has been oh, awful oh. this year. That that game. Oh. Our friend Josh Smith, uh, we're at the Podski Wee Wee podcast, um, says that Dane Evans' career now hinges on these next six weeks or these six games. So... It's going to be really interesting to see what happens there because I like Dane Evans as a person. I think he's fantastic. His story to get to the CFL is incredible. And, and I mean, I, hindsight 2020, but Hamilton made the wrong call with the quarterbacks there this offseason with Jeremiah Mazzoli. Well, they did. Well, they did and they didn't. Like, Dane looked really, really good people. last year, but is it is it a – not everyone is made for the bright lights. Like, Dane, don't get me wrong. Dane played well as a starter – but he knew he had he he wasn't the franchise guy. He knew that, but he played well. Was the pressure like was he putting too much on himself? Because it just seems like he's making every wrong decision when he when he has that ball in his hands lately. I think he's trying to do too much, honestly. With what the with what they lost in the offseason on on offense with uh, Brandon Banks gone to Toronto and and other guys out of that offense. Maybe he's trying to make up for it. Um, but Hamilton right now is an absolute disaster. So now that he's a backup, would you, if you're Orlando Steinauer or Bob Young or anybody over in Hamilton, are you calling up Hoffnagel and, and seeing what the price is for Bo Levi Mitchell? I think he kicked the tires. What's wrong I'd with be the shocked ball? if they haven't already. Yeah, like what's wrong with a phone call? If you don't make a phone call for Bo Levi Mitchell when you are having quarterback issues, why not? You're taking a contract off a of, off a of Calgary. I'm sure they'll listen, but yeah, it's going to depend on the asking price. Would Calgary even consider trading them? I don't think so. Not this year. I don't think they'd want the distraction mid-season, to be honest. I don't even think it's a distraction thing. I think it's uh, having a legitimate backup in your in your stable, pardon the pun, in uh, in case something happens to Jake Mayer. I, I, the last I thing you need is going to a third, your third stringer going into the playoffs. Here's the thing about Calgary. They're really good at finding the next man up regardless. So I'm pretty sure they 
wouldn't think twice. It's not and, like they're it's not like they're rolling out Seth Daggy as a third stringer. <laughs> uh speaking of the stamps, okay, Greg, resident logo snob and uh uniform aficionado. Uh the stamps yeah. released their uh alternate jersey for uh for Labor Day here, the blacks, uh the black jerseys. Okay, tell us what's wrong with it. Well, as a Ryder and Patriots fan, I am glad they decided to steal our look. And same thing with Winnipeg. What's it with the racing stripes? Just because we make it look good, does everyone else think they can do it? Um, I don't hate them. The CGY on the sleeves has me wondering. I that it, it is so tacky and dumb. Like I like if they actually want to do the CGY across the chest, that's fine. But just splashing it on the sleeves like that, just I don't like it that. But it's Calgary. It's a black jersey. You knew it was coming. They they roll it out every Labor Day weekend, so they just decided to go a little different this year. The barbed wire and the helmet, yeah. The silver horse, I can get, I can get behind, but the rest is like, okay, you, you decided to do a racing stripe jersey. Congratulations. I don't, I don't absolutely hate the jersey. I, I don't like it. I said again, I don't think I've ever liked a Calgary Stampeders jersey. Like growing up, hating them more than anybody else over the last 15 years. I, I'm with you though, Greg, that CGY on the, on the arm, just why? I don't get it. I don't like it. And it throws off the rest of the jersey for me. Yeah. Like it, even if they went a, like a light, like a lighter black, like even like shadowed in there. So you'd have to like, you could see it if you got up close and like what they're doing with the NHL jerseys now with the extra um, like stitching in the logos. So you don't notice it from far away, but when you see it up close, that's like a hidden detail. But the fact that they made it so noticeable, it, it just looks like camouflage on the sleeves. And it's just like, why? And I don't, I don't hate the horse above the numbers. Actually, that that looks semi decent. You're a lot nicer about that than I thought you would be. And I also saw Man. a preview of it like a month ago, so I knew it was coming. Um, speaking of uh, alternate looks and whatnot, uh, the new retro logo line, the Turf Traditions line, is officially being launched by the CFL this year on September fifteenth. Got to thank uh, Tim Capper of the Alouette's Flight Deck podcast um, posting about this. And and the hats already are out there uh, to to purchase. Um, I may or may not have bought three of them already. Um, Hamilton, or Montreal, Toronto, and BC. They just look fantastic. It's a great look. I and hate that BC one. I, I'm not a fan of that old school Lions logo. Wearing it all the time in front of you. you yeah, you probably will. For that reason. Yeah. Um, the uh, the rider one is actually it's actually on sale at the rider store right now. So if you want to go out and get that, that's a it's a nice hat. Um, so it's a really good line. And then I guess the the full line is coming out September fifteenth. That includes the shirts. There won't be any alternate jerseys for like the riders or anything this year. That won't happen for another couple of years. Apparently, new jerseys. Um, but just uh, some good stuff there. Won't right. there be an alternate? Won't there? Oh, there will be. There, there will, will be. be. It won't be the retro line, but there will be. 
they'll do a one-off in black. Use that for their blackout game. No, it's going to be midnight green. Two-tone green. It's coming. I think it's going to be announced like Banjo Ball Week. Um, speaking of green and tone green, I see Steve is wearing green. Is that your uh, is that your Chris Strebler shirt, Steve? New York Jets. J- I'm, I'm yes, Jets, Jets, Jets. I hate Chris Traveler and I hate the Jets and I hate you both. I love this whole story, including the uh, the side story with Steve and everybody, including me, tagging Steve in all these Chris Traveler. I've shown restraint. Amazingly enough, I've actually stayed there, as much as I can. There is a first time for everything. Yes, <laughs> I do have a video ready to go anytime someone talks about it, but I've stayed out of it other than that. Have you ever seen outrage like this before from CFL fans? Even Jets fans were pissed that the guy got cut. Now he's back with the practice roster. But I have never seen this weird cult fall, other than Keith Toaston, a weird cult following of a player um, who, I mean, is eh, as a quarterback. I, I can he's explain. marginal at best. So marginal at best. I can explain Steve. the Jets jet side of it. They have so much pain and despair in their lives. Any bit of sunshine is a miracle for them. Well, and they kept Joe Flacco over him on the active roster. So that's a bit ridiculous in my mind. I also hate Joe Flacco as a Denver Bronco fan. So you got his best. I don't know. Okay. You got nothing out of him. But. The Chris Strebler thing, it's its a good story, despite what Steve thinks. Um, he hey, looked, the guy got cut. I'm thrilled. Well, I think it was a fantastic story. So, the thing is about NFL teams, they've got huge scouting departments, and the guys are always going to defend the, the guys they bring in and the guys that they value. And, yes, Chris Strebler played very well against – third and fourth stringer that's the thing is he was doing this against backups and other guys who got cut and aren't signed anywhere yeah yes he looked good which he did he did look good in those three games leading game winning drives on in all three of them against backups yeah and and the guy's still gonna get paid like he's he's not like he's gonna go hungry on the practice roster but the amount of outrage uh, that was on social media for the fact that they cut him only to sign him on the practice roster. Like, did they think he was going to be the starter? Like, did they think he was the, like le- legit, like the heir apparent if, uh, um, Oh God, I can't think of his name. All, all I can think is of all the MILF jokes. Um, Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson. Like if Zach Wilson went down, it's going to be the Strev show. Like, only Steve wishes for that. Yes, so that the entire world can then see how bad of a quarterback he is. Well, that would be fantastic. Was it last year, two years ago, Boomer Sison is t- talking about, yeah, you can do that in the CFL, but you can't do that here. Like, he was yep. a national yep. joke. Yep, that was with the Cardinals. Yes. Like, he was a joke on – that was Monday night. That was a Monday night or two, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I think so. It, yeah. it was, it was, it, that was prime time. Like, it was a high-profile game. And 
Yeah, you got Boomer like throwing him under the bus and the entire CFL. Does everyone remember that outrage? Like, yeah, it's good for it's good for Strevler. How this became an, like a CFL story, I don't know. Yeah, sure, the guy looks good in a cowboy hat and a fur coat. All right, sure, but he wasn't that good in this league either. He was a running back. He was a glorified running back. I I. I, I can't really add to that. Greg basically said everything I want to say about, like, I don't understand how this guy continues to get looks down south when he wasn't even a quality quarterback up here. People thought they were getting a Taysom Hill style quarterback, but Taysom, Taysom Hill has an arm. He can complete a pass over 10 yards. That said, Strever looks like a better thrower this year. I'm sorry. In the, in the few games I watched with, Oh, the few clips I watched and the few plays I did see of the preseason, he's actually learned to throw the ball against for backs. him. The guy, the guy, the guy, the guys put the guys put in the hours and put in the time to make his game better. It couldn't have gotten much worse. He was that's... embarrassing as a quarterback and <laughs> continued to get paid for it. <laughs> that said. I just don't, I still don't understand like the outrage and this is like this is a slap to the face of every CFL fan and this is indignant to CFL athletes. I'm like, no, it's not. Guys get cut off. Ah! It's the it's the inferiority complex of the CFL fan. My my That's favorite a- part about it was everybody talking about how he was only cut because he came from the CFL. No, he was cut because he's not a good quarterback. No, that 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 like I said, that I'm not saying it is part of it, but it could be part of it. The, scouts, it. the scouts have All their guys. It. They fight for the guys they brought in because that's how they make their money. So if he goes, if so, if the scout that brought in Michael White goes, well, you know what, the Michael White's a piece of crap, but Chris Trevor is good. Well, what's the point? That makes him like, well, you made the call on White. You told us to bring him in. So why didn't you tell us about the Trevor kid? In the end, the GM is going to keep the best players they can keep, with the exception, obviously, of their their guys. Draft picks, things like that, those matter. But I, the one thing that surprises me is Joe Flacco still has a job anywhere in the NFL. I forgot he was I still mean, in the league. I legit I, thought he was still in the league. I thought he'd retired a while ago. I thought he retired after the seen. Ravens. <laughs> but, I mean, they have they have their starter. Joe Flacco is your veteran backup. White had his had his go last year. He already knows the offense. He knows where like, he knows everything about the squad. Chris Traveler was never making this team from the get go. Period. That's Tampa. why he was in at the end of games. That's why he was there against the third and fourth stringers. That's why he was playing against the guys who got cut because he was going to get cut. His preseason, though, earned him a practice roster spot. And good for him. And good for me, because that means he won't be playing anymore. I hope he stays on a practice roster forever. Why? Well, the good news is you'll know right away when he's not. I'm aware. The moment he makes it to an active roster, I will be the first to know. It'll be Adam Schefter, me. You actually might be Schefter on that one. Because I'm pretty sure there's someone at MetLife who goes, I'm going to tag, tag this guy right away because he needs to know. Somebody in the Jets social media part, department thinks I'm the world's biggest Strebler fan. 
and they're not wrong. They are very wrong. I might I might hate him more than I hate pumpkin spice in August. So good though. I've been I've been I've been drinking that in my coffee for like three weeks now. Of course you have. I have been. No part of that surprises me, Greg. And it's mainly despite you. Hey, you you got to do what you got to do. I think that's why we do a lot of things. It's just this is spite, Steve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, the Riders fan or um against the Bombers coming up, um Labor Day. It's going to be a close game, guys. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, and that's the thing is Labor Day is always a close game unless the Riders are blowing them out, but I can't see that happening at all this year. Um, but I think it'll be a close game here. Um, so I'm just, I'm looking forward to this one. I think it's going to be a fantastic Labor Day classic. So I don't know. I'm just looking forward to this. So let's get to our picks this week. Um, Ottawa at Montreal. Nobody wins. Yeah, the fans. That's, you that's another one. Uh, Montreal. I mean, it's in Montreal, so Ottawa has a chance. They aren't going to get it, but they they have a chance. I'm going really Montreal. Picking a Danny Machocha team. God, I hate that man. Uh, I'm going to go off the board. I'm going to say Ottawa. I don't know why. I think it's uh just a weird feeling. Um. Winnipeg and Saskatchewan. I pick Winnipeg or Saskatchewan. Oh, so he, he did this so he could go either way. Like, well, I said, no, 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 I pick Saskatchewan. You can you can erase the part where I accidentally said Winnipeg. I'm the I'm the homer of the broadcast. I was right last week. It's Labor Day. We we've won. We've lost what two in the last however many years. 16, 17 years. Yeah. Like. It's Labor Day. It does the records don't matter. The teams don't matter. Oh, I'll never, I'll never forget when the Bombers came in seven and two. The Riders were two and seven. They bought billboards saying we love our friends in Saskatchewan. It just sucks that they're backwards with the records on there, and the Riders put their foot on their throats. Yeah, it, it, it was, it was even worse than that. It was seven and one and one and seven. Was it that? Oh, I thought, I thought it, it was. was. Yeah, that was the height of Swaggerville. Uh, I'm taking the Riders this week. Yep, it's Labor Day. That's a almost a gear. This is as close to a guaranteed W as as it gets in the CFL. Is uh, the Riders winning on Labor Day? I know it didn't happen last year, but that was a weird year anyway. So yeah, Riders will win that one uh, for the fourth time in five weeks. The final matchup of the season, at least in the regular season, Toronto at Hamilton. The rest of us win because this is the last time we have to watch this matchup in the last month. They aren't even going to play in the playoffs. Um, I'll take Hamilton at home. It's again, it's Labor Day. I'll I'll take Hamilton at home. Yeah, Hamilton will come out and win that one. And uh, I think we're all consensus on this one. Edmonton at Calgary. It's going to be just a gong show. Like it's it's going to be a bloodbath. Oh come on, Edmonton put out the all cattle no hat or all hat no cattle uh, get image. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Edmonton's going to crush them. No. It's not in Edmonton. I'm picking Edmonton. 
They're they're gonna win in Calgary and then absolutely crap the bed at home in Edmonton. There's no way Edmonton wins this game in Calgary. Like this is is like where's my giant lock? It's my lock of the week. Oh, here I got a shoe. uh, The shoe in of the week. That's 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 a oh that's a pretty big shoe. (laughs) Lay it on me, coach. Uh, I know I joked with uh, saying that Edmonton's going to go out there and dominate. They're not. It's going to be Calgary in a route. And Edmonton wins on a last-second Paradise miss. Oh. That would be excellent. Actually, would be- I, 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 I would accept that. I would gladly accept that. Well, we'll see you next week when we're all, all applauding my, my great pick on that one. Well, it's, uh, it's when the CFL season unofficially begins is Labor Day weekend and it's uh, one of the most fun weeks of the entire season. So hopefully you're all out there enjoying it and uh, get to the games and uh, this upcoming Saturday, of course, as the, yeah, the riders are doing their fan day thing, like whatever. Okay. Go and meet the team, blah, blah, blah. But we have our celebrity dunk tank event going on CFL fans fight cancer friends over at Harvard media stepping up to, uh, to sit in the dunk tank and it's going to be an absolute blast. I'm looking forward to this Saturday afternoon, one, two, four, 30, four, 45. It's, it's four, 40. It got so extended because apparently we overbooked ourselves, but uh, it's going to do math. It's going to be a blast dunk tank with all of us are going to be sitting up there and uh, we'll see how, how good people's arms Ours. are. But it's all for charity, which is great. Going to the uh, CFL Fans Fight Cancer, obviously. Going to the Alan Blair Cancer Center. Um, I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be a lot of fun. So if you're around on Saturday afternoon, need something to do, take the family out. Come on out. We'll have some prizes. There's going to be watermelon carving, which um, I think we're going to kind of uh, vote on that. Or we're judges? Yeah, I think we're judges on that. Yeah, anybody that's uh, that's been in the hot seat is going to have their vote on the watermelon carving. I do take bribes. And in this case, bribes in the form of cash going to fight cancer is uh, is a very good bribe. So make sure you do that. Bring lots of, lots <laughs> yes, of money. Yes, that's, that's exactly what I meant when I said I take bribes. Yeah. Uh, but I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be a lot of fun. I know, Steve, you put in a lot of work to to get this thing going and Kudos to you for for setting that up, and we're right now just uh, let me hit refresh here as I as I do this at ten o'clock at night here on on Thursday. We're sitting at what twenty two hundred bucks. Oh, raise. oh, I I haven't refreshed since this afternoon. We're actually over two thousand. Nice. Yeah, we're sitting at uh, twenty two thirty five. So that's great. That's all before the event, plus all the money that's going to come in at the event with people there, which is great. And um, oh, you mean the real people that will throw balls? None of these cowards that are paying for auto dunks. <laughs> Go to charity, take a bath. Hey, I had my bath last month. It was tepid. It was fine. I mean, Musiman is pretty close to Manitoba. Yeah did did Greg just become a bomber fan by admitting that he only bathes once a month? No, I thought it was Calgary fans. Oh no, no, that was once a year. Oh, my apologies to Officer Corey. <laughs> and the Great Cup Fun Police will be there as well, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. So Centennial Market, it's uh, 
in Regina, the Value Village Mall, basically, is where you need to go. We'll have it all set up there. One, two, four, 45, five o'clock-ish, somewhere around there. But come on out, have a lot of fun. Let's uh, drown some local celebrities in a, in a dunk tank. In small and, increments. In small increments, of course. Um, but uh, let's have a blast out there and, and raise a lot of money. So make sure we're... Uh, I'm telling we'll you right now, if DT can talk Doug Brown into coming sitting on that chair, I will probably get us to the $5,000 mark. Because I will <laughs> I'll, be, I'll I will message. gladly just keep on pushing that button. I don't care if I'm called a coward. <laughs> so it's okay whenever, when you do it, but not when everybody else does it. Do as I say, not as I do. All right. And it's Doug Brown. The guy deserves it. <laughs> I love Doug Brown. Uh, <laughs> that's going to do it for us this week here on the Pibbles Podcast. Of course, the Pibbles Podcast is brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks as well to Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support, making this show possible. And thank you to uh, my favorite Olympic hero and yours, Kurt Angle, for the always excellent intro to the show. This is Ghost Behind Your Mind by Tyler Gilbert.